Welcome to Goonies World, Halloween special number three. My name is Goonie, also known as Colin, and I'm joined in hell by Johnny Farrow, also known as Sean. Hello, everybody. It's lovely here in hell. And Meanie, also known as Ryan. <laughs> And once again, our ghoulish guest, Loonicorn, also known as Lynn. Happy Halloween! <laughs> yes, Lynn is joining us from her secret location somewhere in the central United States. And we are returning to Call of Cthulhu. And we're going to rejoin our friends from our last two Halloween specials. Saul Moran, Margot Macy, and Rachel Hemingway. And we're going to start where else? In Arkham, Massachusetts, on a dark and stormy autumn night. And we slowly float down over the east side neighborhood and see in through the window of Velma's Diner, where three old friends are having a bite and catching up. And uh, it's been a year, in fact, since your investigation of Dr. Van Horn's house, where you solved the mystery of an ancient cannibalistic religion and barely escaped with your lives from an attack by horrible flesh-eating ghouls. However, one of you, Saul Moran, accidentally inhaled some, uh, some bloody dust from a, an old ghoulish artifact, and you have been infected with ghoulism. And over the last year, you've, you've had to fight this urge to eat human flesh. It's gotten impossible to ignore. And the hunger pangs have been getting worse and worse just over the last few weeks. And you notice that your night vision, Saul, has been greatly enhanced. And you can even smell blood in people as you pass them on the street. And again, these last two changes have really only happened over the last few weeks. So things seem to be coming to a head here about a year later. So you've uh, reconvened your friends here at Velma's Diner to uh, to see what maybe can be done about it, but you haven't really told them about it yet. And But first, let's go ahead and just catch up with our characters, because we haven't seen them in a year, and our listeners haven't heard them in a year. So Rachel Hemingway, you did get some notoriety, because you did get a photograph of a ghoul's body, uh, and, um, and your journalistic credentials are sort of reestablished, and... However, the, the body later disappeared, you know, out of the coroner's office. And so there are still some who call it a hoax. But your career has been fine over the last year. How, you, how, do you, how would you say uh, Rachel's been keeping herself and just remind us kind of what she looks like and all that? Yeah, so she was a uh, investigative reporter. And then, you know, she did spend some time in an insane asylum and kind of lost her job while she was there and and now she it looks like she's you know gotten back uh, uh, you know has reestablished herself as a uh, credible reporter and um, she's you know she's a business she's all about her business and she's uh She's very uh, uh, 20th century woman, and um, 
He's got short hair. I guess he almost kind of could look a little bit like Rachel Maddow. Um, mm-hmm. At least the hairstyle. And uh, wears, she likes to wear pantsuits. Pantsuits. Yeah. Okay. That's her. Cool. Uh, Margot Macy, uh, you were a rich, delicatish era as a flapper, but you've had, I think we've hinted in the past, a sort of a romantic attachment to Saul, and uh, I never got the feeling it was exclusive, but uh, it was certainly hinted at, and I don't know if anything has gone on with that over the last year, but it's really up to you. Saul has been getting edgy, you know, he's, uh, he's he seems distracted, preoccupied, uh, once he tried to bite your thigh while you are making love. And so I don't know if you would have stuck with that or whether you would have used your ample resources to go travel the world uh, and left Saul behind. I mean, what do you, what's, what's Macy been doing for the last year? And, re- and remind us what she looks like. She is traditional flapple girl, uh, blonde, finger waves, fringy dresses, dances and sings, has a lot of fun. Um, I would say that she has probably done a little bit of both. She's done some traveling abroad, perhaps, and she spent some time with Saul. I think as long as he hasn't actually taken a bite out of me, then uh, we're probably square. So okay. she's, she's spent a little time abroad, spent a little time with Saul, and just done her, done her flapper thing. All right. Sounds good. All right. And let's see. And finally... Saul Moran. Now, I think your private investigations practice was in Boston, am I right? Or was it New York? Yeah, yeah. You know, I got uh, I got offices everywhere. You got to have, you know, you got to be uh, you got to be on the move. You got to get uh, got to get stuff done. You got to investigate things and uh, take, uh, you know, occasionally uh, bite somebody on the finger, bro. <laughs> uh, try to take a gnaw out of their thigh, uh, you, you, the buttocks. <laughs> it's very important. It's very delicious. Don't don't underestimate until you tried it. Okay, okay. And uh, I think that, that kind of sums up your past year. Uh, remind us again of a little visual image of Saul. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, but our listeners can't see it. So, Yeah, well, he's, uh, you know, yeah, middle-aged, maybe a little past. Um, always got a suit on, a nice uh, suit. He wears uh, nice, uh, you know, kind of hats. Uh, kind of likes. I mean, the only thing better than uh, eating human flesh, of course, is smoking non-filtered cigarettes. <laughs> so he's always got one of them hanging around his lips. Okay, okay. Well, again, you guys are at Velma's Diner. It's storming outside. You're sitting in a booth by the window. Uh, Agatha, the waitress, just comes and brings you your orders. What did you guys order for diner food? Uh, how about you, Saul? What's Saul order at the diner these days? A big ass ham steak, closest thing you know to human meat I could get. Yes, they say the, the what they call the human long pig in the cannibal community. That's what but, I hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rachel, what's she order? Well, what does Rachel Hemingway order? Pancakes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> nice big plate of pancakes. Hmm. All right, they, they got the little carafe of syrup there. And what does Margot order when she's not jet-setting around when she's at a homey place like Velma's Diner in Arkham, Massachusetts? You know, I think I have a Philly steak and cheese and some fries, maybe a strawberry malt. Okay, okay. That sounds good. That sounds real good. 
Well, Saul's the one who called you all here, and uh, you can tell he's got something on his mind, something he he wants to talk about. So, Saul, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand off the mic to you here, and uh, the waitress leaves you guys to eat and chat and whatever do you talk about. Uh, first of all, can I ask what time of day it is? Yes, it is night. It's not day at all. It's night, about eight thirty at night. Okay, so probably already dark. Oh yes, dark and stormy autumn night. All right. Uh, so, uh, and he's you know sawing at this ham steak uh, and like tossing. He's got you know like some a couple over easy eggs and like uh, some hash browns and stuff. He likes doing breakfast, you know, for dinner type type thing. But he's like sawing at this ham steak with this steak knife. And as he does so, he kind of just looks up at you guys and says, "So, uh, you know, I got uh, I got something I want to talk about. If you guys are, uh, you know, in the mood to have a kind of a deep conversation, you got a scoop for me? Well, it could turn into that. I, I don't know that uh, I would like for it to, but uh, you know, you never know." All right, why don't you spit it out? Let's have it, Bohunk. What you got? Yeah, yeah well, um, so I've been not, yeah, I haven't been feeling too good since, uh, so last year, uh, there was some ghouls running around, and, uh, there was some dust uh, that I kind of inhaled, and, uh, now I just have this overwhelming urge to dine upon human flesh. And by the way, Margot, that uh, little bite on the thigh thing, yeah, that was just uh, involuntary. I was trying to get a snack. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I was just hoping, you know, God, there's got to be something I can do here, right? I, I, I you know, I don't want to be turned into a ghoul. And I, this, surely somebody, you know, knows something that we can do. We better stay away from my gams. A little delicious looking, but you can't have them. But it just so happens that I might know someone who might be able to help you. I know a doctor. He's been involved in some very uh, strange things before. He's willing to... He's, uh, he's open-minded, I'll say. name is Dr. Herbert West. Herbert West. And uh, where might this good doctor be located? Where is he located? Well, he's located uh, south of the university, in fact, in the southern, uh, uh, southern part of town. In fact, just beyond the uh, city limits, in fact, uh, in, in the open mm-hmm. country. And so he's, uh, he likes his privacy, you see. And, uh, it's like we're going to have a long drive again. Uh, seems like every time we need to go somewhere, we have to drive out of town somewhere far away. But it's worth it, I think, if we can get you the help you need. So, Margo, um, speaking of driving out of town, I assume you still have your smart little roadster that uh, you were using in the last adventure. Absolutely. Okay. So, if yeah, you guys could go see Dr. Herbert West. Uh, I'll assume you finish up that ham steak and those those pancakes, and Margo takes the last drink of her her uh, her malt. And, of course, you guys have to go back out into the rain. Uh, but I assume you have umbrellas. And you can get into the roadster and zip off across the bridge 
over the Miskatonic River and through the University District and the south side of town through French Hill neighborhood. And soon the houses get less and less and you're out in the country and you come to a, a house at the end of a long road and there's an old stone wall that's tumbled down and the yard is completely overgrown. But there is a house, more, a little more of a cottage, uh, back at the end of this long yard it's overshadowed by trees, and it's very dark back there, but you can see in the cellar, the lights that are coming from the house are just from the cellar windows, and they're flickering on and off, like flaring up and then dying down, and flaring back up and then dying down. I assume you'll take the roadster up the, up the long drive, uh, and uh, I'll let you guys approach the house however you like. Well, I'll lead the way. He knows me, and um, I don't want him to be alarmed if some strangers come to the door, so I'll just lead the way. Okay. Well, I'll follow behind then, I suppose. We're just walking up here? I think we'll just walk up. Yeah, well, you guys walk up to the front door, I assume, and uh, ring the bell... It takes forever. You think you can hear, feel, hear like this electrical humming in the basement, this sort of rising and falling with the lights, you know, from the cellar windows. But eventually you hear footsteps inside the house, and a man opens the door. Great big bulging, nervous eyeballs behind big spectacles. He's got a comb over. He's real thin. He's got almost no nose, like a little button nose. Uh, he's relatively young. He's probably about 30, but, you know, the lines around his eyes speak of of uh, experience much older than than 30. He says, Rachel, Rachel. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Miss, Miss Hemingway. Miss Hemingway. It's, it's uh, good to see you again. I'm just working. I see you've, uh, you've uh, brought some uh, friends with you. Uh, yeah, these are my friends. Uh, these are lovers. Well, at least oh. they were at one time. Oh. I, don't, I don't mean to, uh, you know, get um, private, but, uh, yes, they make whoopee. And um, I, uh, I, I've come to you with a, a problem, and I think maybe only you can help us. Well, maybe I can, and maybe I can't, but do, I'm sorry, where are my manners? Come in out of the rain. Come inside. Come inside. He, he, he like takes old uh, copies of the Arkham Gazette that are like piled up all on the on the, on the ottoman and chairs and make, make some room for you guys to sit down I'm, I'm sorry about the state of the place I don't often have company my, I had a young man who was assisting me here in my studies but uh, I don't I don't have him anymore uh, <laughs> uh, let me make a quick uh, cup of tea and uh, and I'll be right with you a nice pot of tea for all of us uh, the sure. books, the, the room is uh, lined with bookshelves. Uh, there's an old radio in one corner. You hear him puttering around in the kitchen. The uh, door to the cellar is open. And uh, it looks like there's a little bit of light down there. Does anyone want to sneak down and see what he's doing in the cellar? If you think you have time before he comes back with the pot of tea? Or would you rather just leave well enough alone? Uh, Saul would like to... Look while he's making this tea. Look at the look over the books in the bookcase and or bookshelf and see if uh, <clears throat> see if he can uh, find any 
books about like ghoulism. Well, Saul uh, has been around uh, long enough now to know that uh, these sorts of big answers are often found in old books. You know what I mean? And so, scanning like the oldest looking volumes, uh, you find one that has no writing on the spine. But uh, it actually is written in English, although it's spelled it a little differently. It says monsters and their kind. But monsters is spelled, you know, M-O-N-S-T-R-E-S. And kind is spelled K-Y-N-D-E. Uh, but it looks quite old. Uh, would you like to take it down from the bookshelf? I would, and flip through to see if I can find a ghoul. Okay. Well, you very quickly realize in flipping through it that it's a very old book. And... Uh, to, to flip through it uh, too cavalierly could even, like, you know, crumple a page or something like that. So you'll have to turn to it slightly more slowly. But while he's doing that, does anyone else want to do anything, or would you just rather wait for your cup of tea? Um, I'll kind of uh, walk over by the basement door and kind of nonchalantly peek in. Okay. Well, you can just see. You'll have to actually walk down the stairs about halfway before you can actually see what's down there. Okay, well, before I do that, I will look and see how far along uh, the doctor is in his tea-making, just to make sure I have time. You peek into the kitchen, and uh, you see his back. He's lighting the gas stove and humming a little tune. I'll have uh, plenty of uh, sugar and cream, please. Oh, he turns around. Oh, yes. Oh, um, don't go down there, though. Go. Oh, I wasn't going to. What? Oh, good. What? Why? What's well, you're down standing there? there next to the next to the open doorway. I got nervous. I wouldn't want anything to happen to you. I, my my experiments are at a very delicate stage right now, and it's uh, best if only I go down to the basement. In fact, here, let me just close the door. All right. Well, now you've got my curiosity piqued. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that. But one thing at a time. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that uh, water boil. Uh, he walks back into the main room. Oh, oh, I see, you've, uh, I see you're admiring monsters and their kind. Yeah, yeah, that's a... Uh, I've got a sort of a personal, personal interest in it. In oh, the yes? subject. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's an anonymous 16th century book, actually. No one knows quite who wrote it. It's uh, not particularly useful, as it has uh, oh, jumbled topics drawn from uh, the Book of Ibon and the Necronomicon. Uh, uh, but uh, what you say you have a personal interest? Yeah, that's right. Does this have something to do with the problem you were talking about, Rachel? I'm afraid it does, yes. Uh, about one year ago, we, we encountered what we think were creatures... Uh, you could call ghouls, and uh, our friend here, I believe, um, inhaled some sort of uh, dried blood, and uh, and ever since he's he just told us earlier that he's been having these cravings for meat, human meat. Oh, dear God. And you, he looks at Margo, and you say that you're having relations with this gentleman? Well, yes. Uh, mostly it goes all right, except occasionally he does try to bite me, um, and not in a fun way. And you say you inhaled some dried blood, like it was like a dust? Yeah, it was something like that. It didn't, didn't smell very good, didn't taste very good, didn't go down very smooth, like, you know. Let, let me see that book, let me see that book. I have to confirm something. 
And just then, the, you know, the kettle goes off. It was, well, wait, one minute, wait, one minute. So he sets you all up with your tea, and then he takes the book, and he paces back and forth through the room, reading it for a few minutes while you sip your tea. He says, yes, yes, you've inhaled something called ghoul dust. Okay, this is a Sumerian concoction. It was a consecrated uh, blood uh, priest to the god that cannot be named, you know, the unnameable one who I will not name. Um, they had to consecrate this blood. And yes, uh, I'm sorry, a year and a day from the time that you uh, inhaled that blood, you're, you're going to wake up and become a ghoul. You're going to have a terrible fever. You're going to enter a long period of nightmares lasting several days. And when you wake up, you'll be physically transformed into becoming a ghoul. Now, how long ago did you say you inhaled this dust? It was one year ago. Yeah, I don't know if it was exactly... I can't remember the exact day, but it's been about a year. So uh, the clock's kind of ticking on this oh, one. Well, I, I'm afraid you only have one option that I can think of, and that is to go away, go far, far away, where you'll be alone. Go to the jungles of South America. Go to Antarctica. But for the love of God, man, get away from this woman before you begin to chew on her in, in the night. But, Doctor, once she becomes a ghoul... It, is there any way back to, to being human? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. This book has uh, offers no clues to, for how to stop this. I, I can't think of any way. Uh, unless. Unless. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's irresponsible. But I can see that you two are greatly in love. Have you heard of the witch house here in Arkham? And all of you have. It's an abandoned house that has a bad reputation been abandoned for years is falling apart it's not that far from here it's in the, the french hill neighborhood once you get back into town uh, you know the witch house yes 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 part of it yeah mm-hmm have you ever been in there <coughs> not yet well if you go in there there's a room they say it is built with impossible angles. I don't know exactly what it means when they say that, but I know it shouldn't be something that would be difficult to miss. Now they say that in this room with the impossible angles, if you have a small mirror, say a lady's compact mirror perhaps, and were to tilt this mirror at one of the angles, then within that mirror you would see someone, a woman named Keziah Mason. Okay. In the 17th century, she escaped persecution for witchcraft by, they say, going into another dimension. She's locked into that place. But if you go into that room with a mirror, she would certainly know what could be done. Uh, this is all I know. This is all the, the only way I can help you. I can absolutely confirm that you are turning into a ghoul, sir, though. Perhaps she can uh, help you. That sounds, uh, that sounds uh, terrible. I know, and, and don't be offended, but if I see you in the next few days, if you try to come back here, I'm not going to let you in just to be on the safe side, you understand. No, it's understandable. I'd probably be trying to, you know, come back here to, to, to make a meal out of you or something. Well, well please don't do that, and... And uh, 
And my dear, please be careful around this man. I would stop sleeping with him in the same bed if I were you. Do you think you can handle that? Yes, yes, I, I will just hope that we can find a solution. We, we will definitely be trying yeah. to solve this problem. Well, well, I hope so, I hope so. And you do have a ladies' compact mirror, yes? I assume you do. Yes, yes, of course. Hopefully. Okay, hopefully that will work. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be of greater assistance, but uh, at least I've told you how to summon uh, Kaziah Mason, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe that you could give me a hand. Give you a hand? Yes. And how do you mean? Well, I need a hand. Do you, can you procure one through your contacts? Oh, you mean a human hand, a severed hand. Well, what else would I mean? <laughs> well, you know, a hand is a turn of phrase, but, um, yes, um, I, I might be able to, uh, um, I mean... Uh, I uh, I do have connections. Uh, I suppose oh, I could call on some people. I I, I must ask uh, what you're uh, planning to do with this hand. Oh, don't worry about that. It's just the final piece of a puzzle that I'm working on. You might say it's part of my anatomical research that I'm doing. You needn't worry yourself about the details. Well, you are a doctor. I suppose uh, it's uh all in the the name of learning. Science. Science, yes. Um, I do have a question. We had a ghoul that we had brought uh, back from this uh, house that we went to. And then this ghoul disappeared. Uh, You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Well, a ghoul will melt within 48 hours. But he wouldn't have completely disappeared. There must have been a, a stain or a globule of some kind. However, it's much too late now. Yes. Okay, I just didn't... Uh, I didn't want to think that maybe you had uh, stolen this uh, ghoul and are performing, you know, un, unholy uh, experiments. Oh, I'm not interested in ghouls. I can assure you of that. Well, that's refreshing. Very good. Now, I must get back to my work, so let me be rude. I hope you finish with your tea. I'll show you to the door. Again, I'm sorry I I couldn't be of more help, but I do appreciate uh, any hand you can give me. And so, uh, I bid you farewell and hopefully not goodbye forever. Good luck in your quest, sir. I hope you're not a ghoul the next time I see you. Yeah, well, uh, me too. Trust me, me too. Okay. All right, well... French Hill is not far from here, so I think uh, at risk of taking over your character's actions, it's very easy to imagine you all piling back into the roadster, driving back into Arkham from the storm. French Hill is, in fact, a hill. It's one of the hills that drains down, you know, into the Miskatonic River, and it's on the southern side of town, but a lot of the the roads here are, are very windy, you know, they switch back a lot. And when you get up into one street, you know, there's not necessarily houses on both sides. You're looking at off the edge of the road onto the rooftops of the houses on the street below. But winding your way up to where the witch house is. 
And of course, it's dark now. There's not any people outside. The witch house is abandoned. Uh, its windows are boarded over. And the door, it has a big heavy lock that the county put on it. But uh, there might be some ways inside. There could be rotting boards. Uh, how would you like to make your way into the witch house? And by the way, it's not... It's like very much part of its neighborhood. You know, the yard's not that big. There are people living and houses next door. So you're you're in, you know, a more or less suburban environment here. It just happens to be this house is is a little off. And uh, if you're making a really loud noise, you know, it might... It might alert neighbors who may or may not care that you're trying to get into the witch house. Uh, luckily, the storm sounds would mask things that weren't really loud, like gunshots, for example. But how would you like to try to get into the fabled witch house of Arkham? I don't suppose you have some bolt cutters, that's all. No, but I do believe that uh, Saul has at least some skill in the locksmithing trade, which he occasionally needs as a private investigator. You may be able to pick that lock, Saul. That's true. I do have, uh, I do have that skill. Well, uh, that's probably the easiest, uh, most direct way. So, uh, yeah, well, why don't I uh, see, see about uh, picking this here lock? I'm going to stand in front of him, just blocking the view in case any neighbors are watching. Yeah, it could be yeah. a nosy neighbor peeking out. Tom Hanks is over there slowly going crazy and peeking out his door at you. Yeah, you're right. Corey, Corey uh, Feldman's sitting on the porch drinking beer watching you. I rolled an 18. 18, that's great. Well, you yeah, have like a 45% chance or something? or, or 40. 40. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah, with a little click. The uh, padlock comes off. And... The door opens if you open it. Well, I'm going to open it. Yeah, of course. I mean, right. we got to get in here and find this funky room with the crazy lady witch person to get me, well, cured up and stuff. Well, the front room, there's no furniture in here at all. The paint's, like, all peeling off the walls, and there's some, there is some furniture, actually, but it's rotting, you know. If you sat on it, it would just fall apart. And, uh... Uh, in fact, uh, Rachel, would you make a quick no roll? There, towards yeah. the top of your character sheet, and uh, and you have a little background uh, that may give you some insights here. Yes, I I got a thirty-seven, and I well, you you remember a news story? You remember something a fellow reporter was working on? You remember being irritated that you weren't sent on the on the job? It was way back in uh, 1921 where a guy named Walter Gilman was found inside this house dead and he said that his heart had been, like, eaten out of his chest and there were gnaw marks all over all over his body. And it's uh, bringing back creepy parallels to what's going on with your friend, perhaps. Um, as you guys look around to see how to get back into deeper into the house to look for this strange room, you can hear a, a very disturbing Skittering in the walls, and you can just imagine large numbers of rats moving around behind the walls, very close to you, but unseen behind those walls. It's a disturbing feeling. You can't get that image of rats in the walls out of your head. But 
Sure enough, uh, down a hallway, you come into a very strange room. It's towards the back of the house. And the only way I can describe it to you in language that we human beings can understand is that it has weird angles. They're almost like polyhedral. Like the closest thing would be is if you were standing in the bot in the middle of a twenty-sided dice. Only it's not like that. It's like twisted into a fourth dimension, and all the angles shouldn't make sense. And they're just impossible angles. Your brains really won't even completely accept it. So please make sanity rolls. Failure. Okay. And if you fail the roll, you will take one sanity loss. How about you, Margo? How did Margo do? Margo rolled an eight. So apparently nice. she can handle this pretty well. She's a cool cucumber. How about Saul? She is. Uh, Saul got a 24, so that was good enough. He, he got, he's down to 41. But uh, that's still good enough. That's good enough. That's good enough. Well, you, you, your brain doesn't crack a little bit at these weird angles, but it's still very disconcerting, you know, being in here. And the sound of rats in the walls continues. But Margo, I believe, well, Rachel could have one too, although Margo seems more likely to have a little makeup kit with a little mirror. I don't, I don't have anything to do with fashion or beauty, so it's up to Margo. Yes, yes, of course, I have a... Mother of Pearl. Compact. Nice. Very flappery, yes. Supposedly, if you aim this mirror at one of the angles, um, then, because I am Mason, will appear, but uh, do all of you want to look into the little mirror or just Margo? Did he say... I mean, I don't think he specified if, it, if we all needed to or just. No, one he person. didn't say one way, one thing, or anything about it. I I'm think just curious. We should all look into it. No, oh, if you if you think so, Rachel. I mean, I don't know. I well, I guess it's if we all if we're all looking, then there's a higher probability that one of us might see something. Maybe that's true. Well, like a picture. You know, standing with your backs to one of these weird angles with Rachel holding out the mirror like you guys are taking a selfie almost, you know, and, and crowding your hands and, and looking into the mirror. And there's there's nothing at first, but then this horrible face begins to materialize. It's this shriveled old woman in 17th century attire and... There's a look on her face, and there's something about it. And when you realize, you know, involuntarily you turn around, you know, to see she's behind you. She's not. She's just in the mirror. It is absolutely chilling. And as you might have guessed, please make sanity rolls. This time, if you fail, you lose one D4 sanity. If you don't have a D4, I'll roll it for you. I failed again, and I do have a D4, and I got a 3. How about Margot? I rolled a 27. Cool okay. as a cucumber as always. Yep, she's jaded. She's jaded. Taking it in stride. And how about Saul Moran? 
Soil rolled a 24 last time and a 25 this time, so I'm counting on that 26 for the next one. Okay, okay. If you get a 26 on the next one, you, you just win. You win Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No one has ever done that, I don't think. But um, anyway, yeah, you guys are uh, cool cucumbers, except again for Rachel. Maybe it's that time you spent in the asylum, Rachel. I don't know. But uh, you maybe hit her back more crazy. there. Yeah, you maybe hit it back there. But uh, how many sanity did you lose with that big D4? Three. Okay, well, staring into the hideous eyes of Kaziah Mason, looking back out of the mirror, and she's looking at you with a smug and amused smile on your... On, on I'm talking eye. about bug-eyed bug Bettys. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> Amen, sister. What year is it? Mm, it's 1920X. 1920X. Has it been so very long? Oh, I can hear my children. The rats are still here. That is good. That is good. Why have you called me? Called me over these long, dark years out of where I have escaped to. Why do you try to bring me back? Well, uh, so, uh, there's this, uh, doctor that told us about you, that, uh, said we should come and see you, because you could probably, uh, help, help us with this problem I've been having. Oh, people know about me still in 1920X? How flattering. Yes. They said you yes, was, we uh, all know about you. It was like a witch or something back in the 17th century or something like that? The greatest witch. And now all those who persecuted me are long dead. Yes. Well, I might be able to help you. You who have the flattering tongue. What is your problem? How can Keziah help you? I helped many people with problems. At least I did. Uh, well, my particular problem is that I, uh kind of accidentally inhaled some ghoul dust and uh <laughs> now i oh you think that's funny that's not very funny to me because now i want to be gnawing on everybody's uh belly buttons and shit and it's just no fun Gnawing, yes the urge to gnaw can be quite unsettling just as my little friends in the walls know no it seems to me that you are destined for a future as a ghoul for here in this dimension, I can see all, and I can see into the minds of the ancient Sumerian priests of the Nameless One, who consecrated that blood. Yes, you are destined for ghoulhood. There's nothing you can do. Well, there is one thing, but it's very dangerous. Do you want to know about it? Uh, well, if the uh, only alternative is to become an undead, uh, flesh-eating monster, then yeah, I think I want to know what it is. <laughs> Many people would kill to have that gift, and have. But there is only one book that possesses a spell with such power to undo this transformation. And it is the Necronomicon. Written in 730 A.D. by the mad Arab Abdul Al-Hazred. And as it just so happens, there is one in the vault of the library at Miskatonic University. 
<laughs> and there, in the pages of that book, you will find a spell called the Unspeakable Promise. And it will actually call the unnameable one, who then must grant you a request. He is bound and forced to grant your request. If you say the words of the unspeakable promise. <laughs> oh, listen to my children in the walls, how they skitter. Yeah, this does not sound like a good idea at all. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't also don't want, really want to become a ghoul, so... Well, do stay and converse with me longer. So, uh, what happens uh, uh, after you, uh, after he grants your request? What kind of, what kind of reaction oh. can we get from the fella afterwards? Oh, I cannot see that from this dimension. I can see much, but I can't see that. <laughs> Just then there is a flurry of movement behind you. And uh, you turn around and part of the wall, the slats in the wall, like, cracks open. And the plaster crumbles apart. And three little disgusting creatures. They're about the size of, like, a, a toddler. But they're rats. Only they have all two human faces and little human-like hands with little claws. And they screech at the top of their lungs. And they just launch themselves at you. They have dexterity of 18. I don't believe any of you have higher than that. And so they're going to go first. And uh, Saul, one of them leaps at you with his claws. He actually rolls an O2. Can you dodge? That is one of your skills. It is, but it's not very high. It's only a 28. So let's see. If I get that 26, uh, it'll succeed. So let's see. 38. That's not going to do it. Oh, no. Well, I'm afraid you are bitten wickedly for five hit points of damage. And Rachel, you are missed by one that jumps up at you, but cracks into the wall and slides down one of those strange, impossible angles. And Margot. Oh, you are barely missed. You're missed by 1%. You can feel the hot breath of the disgusting little toddler-like rat creature as it tries to gnaw your nose off but can't and slides back down your chest onto the ground. And Saul Moran, what do you do? Uh, I guess he's going to draw his forty-five auto and take a shot. Well, you go right ahead. And he will hit four, eight points of damage. It just splatters. This whole this huge chunk comes right out of its back, and it slides across the floor a little bit. It's completely dead. You completely killed it with that shot. Margo, what are you doing? Ew! Ew! I'm <laughs> jumping into the closest chair and screaming like a girl because I don't have a weapon. Alright, sounds reasonable to me. And Rachel, what's going on with you? You go last. You're slowest. Uh, well, she has a uh, 38 revolver, yes, so. She does. She will go ahead and shoot. Um, even though she is pretty freaked out, but she will shoot. And, uh. Oh, handgun. 
Oh, I miss. No, no, you miss. And <clears throat> the little rat thing that was attacking Margot tries to attack her again, but misses again. And uh, glares at her balefully out of its all-too-human eyes. Uh, the one on you, Rachel, backed up for a minute when you shot at it, but then it charged back across her, and this time it is going to bite you unless you dodge. I will attempt to dodge. All right. And I do not. And you do not. And you are bitten Oh, also for five hit points. And that's a big chunk in this system. Yeah. As you who are familiar with it know. And Saul Moran, what do you do? There's still two of these little things. I'm going to shoot, shoot at him again and fucking hit him again. All right, which this one? Time, the one on Margo or the one on Rachel? Well, the one on Margo, of course. Of course, of course. And, cause, and Rachel's got her own gun anyway. That's uh, true. That time it hits for ten. Well, again, boom! And it takes the whole top of its weird little head off and flips the body over. It lands on the other side of the room. Um, uh, Macy, Margo. Meanwhile, Kaziah is cackling in the mirror still. Um, um, and do you do anything, Margo? I throw my arms around Saul and say, Thank you! Thank you for killing that beast! You play the most politically correct, liberated women of any character we've ever had on the show. <laughs> That's great. But, uh, but, uh, but uh, well, this is a pulp story, folks. It's of its time, and we have well, we have an example of a liberated woman here, too. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, Rachel, what do you do? I'm an independent woman. I'm going to shoot one of these rats. Okay, that's the one on yourself, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Miss. No, well, that's really too bad. And then the rat thing, that's the only one left, actually, and it rushes at you, heedless of its own safety. Rolls a zero eight, so you're going to have to dodge that bad boy. Nope. No, well, then I'm afraid you're bitten again. This time you get lucky, and I only roll a one. And, uh,. We are at the top of the round again with Saul, who hopefully can take out this last hideous little rat thing. Unfortunately, an 85 is not going to cut it. No, it's not, but uh, it takes a chunk off the off the wall, and you hear you think you killed an actual rat inside a wall. That's nice. But, uh, Margo, are you still screaming and uh, at a loss for what to do? The one in front of you is is dead. You can still see one is molesting Rachel. Is there anything you would like to do? Or do you say anything to the cackling Kaziah in the mirror that you're still holding? I am going to grab an object that I can hurl. Perhaps there's a vase or something of that sort sitting around the room or a book. Anything I can hurl at the thing. Well, there's a... I said there was some rotten furniture around here. And so uh, I could see the brass heading on the bedstand. The only part that's still made of metal, while the rest of the bed's like all sagged down in the middle and rotted out, you could probably yank that brass ball off and hurl it, if you if you like. Sounds like a phenomenal plan. Yeah, it sounds like a phenomenal plan. And uh, what's your dexterity? Your dexterity is twelve. Is that correct? Fourteen. Yes. No, it's fourteen. 
14. You have a 65% chance. I'm sorry, 66% chance to hit it. 33? Boom. Now, that's going to do 1d4 damage. Do you have a 1d4 handy? I do. All right. Ooh, and I roll the four. Four. And you crush its little skull. It must have only had four hit points. Um, but then there's still the mad cackling of Keziah in the mirror laughing. There's no more creatures that come running out. Close uh, your mirror. Do you want to close the mirror? Or do you want to break the mirror? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab it from her and break it. Okay. Well, stomps on it. You stomp on a break the mirror, and, and you sorry about that. It was mother of pearl. Uh, yeah, you look that fine, a, honey. You don't need to. Wo- you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. All of your expense, all of your accessories are very expensive, but that one is broken, and uh, luckily you won't take her with you forever. Well, luckily I have another compact in my purse. This one's silver. Well, luckily you do. Of course, <laughs> of course. You never know. You always need a backup. Right? Yes, so, definitely. Anyway, well, you still hear the skittering and scuttering behind the walls. I don't know if you want to hang around here in the witch house any longer or whether you want to get the hell out of here. But what she told you was that, yeah, in the Necronomicon, the the, the fabled and rumored nefarious book supposedly... Uh, bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. Um, there's a spell in it called the Unspeakable Promise. So call the Unnameable One and force him to do you a favor. The only thing is, and I assume you guys will walk back out and get into the roadster and maybe start making your way towards the university while I'm talking. Uh, Somebody b- better burn this place down. Why is this still up? Or why hasn't it been, you know, condemned and bulldozed? Well, that's a good question, and of course the county had a lock on it, so... Hey, questions for another time. Your reporter's mind starts to wonder about that, though. But, uh, might not, might not get answered tonight. The mystery of the witch house might have to remain a mystery for now. But, uh, heading on towards, uh, the Miskatonic University, you realize they're not gonna let you in, first of all, well after hours. You don't even know if they have, like, a night... Watchman or anything in the library and she did say it was in a vault. I don't know if that means it's locked or whether she just means the basement or a special collections room, but you start to realize that uh, you know, you're probably going to have to break in. You know, commit a minor crime, break into the, the library unless you want to try to go uh, find head librarian and uh, wake them up and convince them to let you read the Necronomicon I guess would be one. It's a guy named Dr. Henry Armitage. He lives here in town. Uh, could break into the place. I'll leave these, these choices up to you. Um, but Saul, you heard a, a year and a day is what Dr. Herbert West said and you start to fear that in the dawn tomorrow it may be too late for you. So, what do you guys think the best way into the library is? Well, since we are short on time, we might just have to uh, break in, you know, become criminals. But what choice do we have? Yeah, I don't love the idea either, but uh, I, 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 
faffing about and, uh, trying to find the librarian and getting him to actually let us do stuff, uh, it's not going to happen. So uh, I think we, we're left out without much choice in this situation. Yes, I, I agree. I don't think going through proper channels is going to be the most expedient process, so we'd like to rid Saul of his craving for human flesh as soon as possible. Yeah, and I, I, I agree that uh, convincing Dr. Armitage to, to let strangers consult a Necronomicon in the middle of the night during a thunderstorm is probably not going to happen. On Halloween, no less. Right. But uh, the university is not that far away from French Hill. If I you'd like, French Hill overlooks the university as the town slopes down towards the Miskatonic River. It's a good-sized university, but the library... Uh, it's just a two-story affair, and it's not a big library, but it is well-known as being fairly well-stocked. And uh, I assume you park at the edge of the quad, and you'll have to walk a little bit through some grounds to get to the library. And uh, you guys don't see anything like night watchmen around. You know they must have a night watchman somewhere on the campus, but there's no one in sight right now, at least not over here by the library. And um, the library itself does have many, many, many windows. There's a back service door. There's a place where trucks can back up and make deliveries. And then there's a central tower above it that has some open ventilation slats that look pretty big, look like they could be kicked out if you could climb up there. And then, of course, there's a front door that's locked. Uh, the windows, if they're locked, are probably not the type of locks you could pick. You know, you might be able to break a window quietly. You could be able to pick the lock on the front or back door. You could climb through that ventilation slat. Uh, what do you guys think might be the best way to break into the Miskatonic University Library? Well, I've already picked one lock today, and uh, that seems like the quietest. Uh, if they're going to have a watchman in there, then I think uh, picking the lock is going to be quietest and the uh, least chance of alerting him. So I'm just going to try that, if that's Are all you, right. Are you going to try that front door or the back delivery door? Oh, that's a good question. I like to go into the back door. Right, Marco? <laughs> you two lovers. <laughs> All right. All right. So, going in the back way, uh, you try to pick the lock. Pretty tight lock. Hey, 23. <laughs> hey, there you go. And uh, at least it wasn't a 26. So it would have freaked me out. Well, it wouldn't have been sequential, <laughs> though. Right. But ooh, the door opens. Nothing happens at the moment because the door opens. But you're just looking into a little vestibule. There's a few cardboard boxes sitting around. And there is a card table with a half-full cup of coffee on it. And beyond that, there's just a doorway that leads into the main collections, the room. And if you guys go in, there are some dim lights in here. They haven't been completely shut down. But they're on the columns that lead up that support the base of the tower. Um, if you peek out into the room, you're kind of peeking out from behind a U-shaped desk where the librarians sit to do the checkout. And you look out into the vast room 
And you can see there are stairs going up to a balcony that rings the whole room, and there are bookshelves up on that balcony as well. But you can see um, all the way up to the uh, ceiling, which you know above that is a tower built on as sort of a third floor. You're not quite sure how to get up into that tower. It's not obvious from here. But yeah, there are some restrooms off to your... uh, your left, and then on the left, you can see that from the side, they got botany, zoology, biology, and up way up in the front, you see chemistry and pharmacy sections, and they got their geology and metallurgy up there. There's a huge astronomy section, big paleontology section. You can see signs saying on the second floor for scientific periodicals and reference section, and uh. You're not quite sure where to look or where to go. Uh, The stairs that lead up also have a door with some stairs that lead down, however. Well, if it's a vault, maybe it's down. Maybe it's in a basement or something. I think that seems like a good place to to start anyway. And and just just, just so you guys don't think I'm a complete asshole, uh, you know... I fully support anyone's right to become a ghoul, a ghoul if that's what they want. Uh, I'm just, just it's, it's not for me. That's, that's all I'm saying. Just not a lifestyle choice you're comfortable with. I don't identify as a ghoul. No, no, no. no. Well, you know, that's okay. You don't have to. Uh, but what you do identify as is a human being that gives off a smell. And after you guys take a look around the room and talk for a few minutes, you hear a growl. From up above you at the top of the stairs. And I'm going to shush it. A chunky little bulldog. Chunky little bulldog with a collar that says Napoleon on it. He's looking down from the top of the stairs, growling. And he gives out a few barks at you. And he begins to rush down the stairs in your direction. What do you guys do? And and if, and if, it hap- and if, it, if it's a matter of... You know, people moving in order. Saul always goes first. Yeah. Well, Saul doesn't want to shoot the dog, but... Uh, Trent, sweet talking it. Sure, it looks like it might kick up a racket. Little <laughs> sweet talk sometimes goes a long way. Well, I don't know if that'll work or not, but... Yeah, it's either shoot this dog or otherwise uh, quiet it down or trap it somewhere. Um, I'm going to try to Rachel. punch it in the face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rachel's right. running, but uh, okay. Where are you running yeah. to? Uh, downstairs. Okay. Well, you you got to run like towards the dog. It's coming from the top of the stairs, right? So. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the then co- I will. You could go behind the desk. Or you could dodge into the bathrooms, which are nearby. I'll try to. Can I stand up on the desk? Yeah, you jump up on right. top of the desk, and uh, Saul, meanwhile, rushes over to punch this dog. In the face, and uh, well, he rolls a fifty out of sixty. So fifty out of sixty—that that definitely connects with the dog's face. It has a yelp of pain. Oh, and have uh, some sweet chin music. <laughs> yeah, and do you have your unarmed damage written down? Uh, I don't. I don't know if yes, you do. Yes, it is one d three plus damage bonus of one d four. All right, one d three plus one d four. Simple. So the one d three, I've got actually got a three, and I don't have a d four sitting here with me. Would okay. somebody like to roll it for me? Yeah, Lynn, why don't you roll a d four for you? 
Saul, since you two are so close. Roll the two. And I would also like to say that Goonies World does not condone hurting animals, and no animals were harmed in the making Mm -hmm. of this broadcast. No, True. except for Ryan's cat when he threw it off his lap once or twice, I think. I didn't throw her off I my know, lap. I, I just know, had I to get dice. And she gets all mad and hops off my lap when I have to get up to get dice. Yes, uh, Ryan is very kind to his pussy. Anyway, um, <laughs> we are... Yeah, you've punched this thing for five points of damage. Uh, it yelps out uh, in pain and backs up a few feet up the stairs, and it starts barking at you pretty furiously. And it's going to go ahead and take a bite at you. So it rolls a 98, though, uh, which is not good at all. In fact, I'd say it stumbles a little bit. And uh, uh, Rachel is standing on the desk nearby. I assume you're not going to shoot the dog, Rachel. No, she's kind of pantomiming, pantomiming, uh, you know, punching. She's rooting Saul on. (laughs) Uh, Margo, what are you doing? I am. I'm soothing the dog. It's okay. No, we're not here to hurt anybody. It's okay, little poochie poo. Okay, so it sounds like it sounds like the dog's getting some mixed signals. Saul, what do you do? <laughs> well, if Margot's going to do that, then you don't think it's going to work? <laughs> oh, I don't think it's going to work. Then I'm going to no. kick the dog down the stairs. <laughs> okay, go for it. Again with your unarmed attack, and the twenty-seven. So I don't know what's what's with the twenties today, but poor Napoleon. Well, we're in the nineteen twenties, so poly, no, poor Napoleon yelps and uh, go ahead and roll your unarmed damage for him as he tumbles down the stairs. That's another three plus a d four. Okay, so Margot, give us a d four. Three. Okay, so that's six, right? He had three hit points left when you did that, and so poor little Napoleon lands wrong, and just then you hear a terrible scream from behind you. You guys all whip around and look over at the bathroom, and just coming out of the bathroom is a woman. She's clearly a librarian. She screams, Napoleon! And rushes past you all. You monsters! What have you done? And she uh, says, Oh, Napoleon! And leans down next to him. Looks like she was just in the bathroom uh, uh, and might be working late. She turns around with hatred in her eyes, looking at you in particular, Saul. Says, I hope you've got a good reason for this. Damn he tried you! To, tried to fucking bite me. He just would have barked if you hadn't attacked him. He just trained to alert the night watchman. Well, I'm going to go get the night watchman right now. And she stands up and looks no. like she's going to stalk towards the door. unless mm. someone. Madam, like, you better stay right there, madam. Or Don't what? move. Or what? You're going to kick me to death, too? Sorry. Uh, please. Please let us let us explain. We're, we're in a bit of a situation here. You see... You may find this hard to believe, but this gentleman here, Saul, is turning into a ghoul, and we must find a book with a spell to prevent this from happening. It's quite an emergency. He has less than 24 hours before he changes, and perhaps that contributed to his punching of your dog, this 
ghoulish behavior. So very sorry. What book is it that you need? Well, uh, that's called the Necromonicam or something. Oh, dear God. No, you can't. It's much too dangerous. Please tell me you won't read it. It's much too dangerous. I'm afraid we have to read it. But we there's a spell in there we need, and um, we're only going to read that one spell, that's all. Just, I'm not going to take you page. down there. You can't make me. You can't make You guys get the feeling you might have to just pull a gun on her at some point and make her. Says, I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to get justice for little Napoleon. You can't access the well, Necronomicon. You don't understand it at all. It's hidden here for a reason. Well, then it's going to come down to this. She's going to throw up her dukes and say, put him up now. I've trained in pugilism. Well, Let's I'm see not, what you've got. I'm not trained in pugilism, but I am trained in screaming. And she takes in a deep breath like she's about to let out an ear-piercing loud scream that could you know, possibly be overheard outside. Does anyone want to try to grab her and put your hand over her mouth or something? I'm going to try to punch her when she, uh, once she opens her mouth. Okay, go ahead and punch her. Uh, let me see. I don't think I have, like, any specific skill for then that. Then you go to 30%. Nope. <laughs> no, you miss her. And so she screams at the top of her lungs. And uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. Damn, I'm, that saw made it look easy. I thought it would be easy to punch. Well, well, I don't know if anyone heard her or not, but uh, she still hasn't seen you guys, you know, guns or anything yet. So she turns and she starts running for the door. All right, um, well, just let's fucking let her go. If the night watchman comes, we'll fucking shoot his ass. But we got to get that. We got to get that book, and we got to do it like you know, soonish. I don't know if it, like it hits midnight. If I'm gonna just turn or what, but but we got to we got to do it now. Well, if you want to let her well, go, you go, she... you go ahead. I'll, I'm gonna try to tackle her. Oh, you are okay. You run run across the room and tackle her. But, uh, again, you get the sense that probably if she saw you at a gun, she'd stop. But um, if you want to tackle her, you go right ahead. Make that uh, 30% roll and launch yourself at her. Just as you hit the astronomy section. She's in the astronomy section. Oh, 08. Oh, 08. Boom! You crash into her. And uh, let's see. And so you're grappling her and you're trying to basically knock her down. And that option automatically succeeds. So she's on the ground. And do you want to try to immobilize her? Well, I want to show her that gun. Oh. <gasps> See if that immobilizes her. I have a scarf in my purse if we'd like to stuff it in her mouth. I could, you know, to put it in my, I could be reasonable. I could be reasonable. Look, I'll show you the book and then you let me go. All right, you just let me go? Yes, of course. I, we, we, we apologize for this. We never wanted any of this, but we have to do what we have to do. <laughs> Well, she, she takes you over to the stairs. She gets out a key as she wears on a chain around her neck. Pulls it out of her sweater. Takes a deep sniff. You can see she's wearing a little name tag, too. It's uh, Diana Loring. She's the reference librarian. 
And she opens the door and leads you down the stairs. And there's a surprisingly small room down here with only two chairs and a low table. There are many, many, many books all behind glass cases, but there's one book in a glass case all by itself. That's it, she says, pointing to it. And you could tell it, it's it's uh, bound in human flesh. It has a strange, creepy, smeared-looking face tooled into the front of it. And she lifts up the glass case. Goes, take it, take it, and read it. Do your work. Right. Okay, now, Mister Mom. Moran, do you actually know how to read? I'm not, I was not quite sure about that. I'm um, an educated man. Of course I know how to read. Okay, well, you, you like to say library, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> Who would like to open the book here in the library? I'll open the book here in the library, and that's how you fucking say library, dumbass. What do you, what do you mean, asking if I can read because it's called course, library yes. a library? M- my mistake, of course. Well, when you open the book and you look in it, it takes you a few seconds to realize it. You start flipping through the pages. You realize it's written in Arabic. <laughs> oh, that's rich. That's rich, says Diane, the librarian. <laughs> you can't even read it. <laughs> oh, that's you know, you, rich. <laughs> you sound like the witch we just spoke with. You, you laughed, spoke, cackled just like her. You've spoken to a witch? Yes, that's right. And uh, she told us all about the, this book. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll find uh, some some way to translate it. Uh, you, you're a reference librarian. We're, why don't you translate? Can you speak Arabic? I, I know what you could do, but I'll never tell. Hmm. Would you I'll rather get tell. shot? You know, Rachel, <laughs> it occurs to me that your uh, gentleman doctor friend uh, required a, a human hand. Perhaps the library. No. Maybe she'd be willing to no. contribute her no. hand rather than translating for us. No. No, I need both my hands to shelve books and collate. No, please, I'll tell you. Look, look. There is an English translation here. Here, look. And she goes over to one of the smaller cases where there's multiple books behind glass, and she opens the cabinet door and pulls it out. This is an English translation of the Necronomicon done in 1586 by Dr. John D., you know, court astrologer to uh, Queen Elizabeth I. This book was translated from a Byzantine Greek copy that was uh, made in 950 by Theodorus Philatus. Uh, and uh, uh, there could be certain minor inaccuracies in the translations, but but here, here, this this is in English. It's in English. Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to flip through that. Looking for I, I can't remember the name of the spell I'm looking for. It's uh, called the Unspeakable Promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that. Uh, so yeah, you guys all lean in. I guess you start flipping through the book. Everybody. Make library use rolls just to find it fast. I mean, eventually you'll be able to find it, but go ahead and make your library use rolls. I'm not All seeing the library loose. Library Library-ish. use. Make your library use rolls. Only one of you has to make it. Rachel's actually pretty good at it. Yeah, I got a 27. Ooh, you guys flip right to it. Flip right to it. There it is. And, uh, yeah, there in this uh, 15th century type... You see the unspeakable promise. And 
the words themselves of the unspeakable promise are written in Latin, but you just can start to read them phonetically. Do you all want to read them together? Like chanting it together, or does only one of you want to read it? Well, I think we're all in this together. I think uh, we will, uh, and if it matters how it's pronounced, uh, maybe one of us will at least speak them right. All right. Well, as you begin to read the unfamiliar words phonetically, each of you spend 10 magic points. You need 30, and I think between the three of you, if you each spend 10, then you'll be able to summon up magic points. First time we've used them. Soul's got 12. Oh, there you go. Now you got two left. And, and uh, I believe Rachel has like 13. And Margo has 15, I think. So you guys should be able to do it. And so you're reading the spell. Are you guys holding hands while you read it? Uh, yes, just don't try any funny business. Okay. Meanwhile... Your hands where I can see Meanwhile, meanwhile, you, you know, you're focused on what you're doing, and you've started doing it now. You feel like you can't stop. But uh, uh, Diane, Diane Loring is just, like, slowly, fearfully, with her eyes wide, gnawing on one finger, backing up to the base of the stairs as you guys read. And suddenly the room around you begins to flicker. And... In front of you, where the Necronomicon was, space itself just begins to warp, and there's this crackling energy in the room, and suddenly, what you can only call a portal, and it's like a fleshy portal, though, it's like a cosmic sphincter opens, and you can look inside, and through it, you can see black stars shining over an unwholesome-looking lake. And a city built on the other side of the lake made with impossible architecture. And then this thing comes through into the room. You almost can't even comprehend it. But what your mind sees is a huge bloated octopoid type thing with scaly skin and a human face. But it looks like it's melted, halfway melted and then frozen in place. And it's leering at you. And behind you, Diane Loring screams oh dr d's translation is inaccurate dear god dear god you've summoned the nameless one you've summoned the nameless one um by the way each of you without making a sanity test please lose d100 sanity (laughs) we'll see how cool we'll see how cool of a cucumber margo is now I mean, I didn't even have... Uh, okay, well, I'm like a negative sanity now. Okay, yeah. yeah you just, I'm you, completely insane. Yeah, oh, oh, Saul's got two left. So he's not... Yep. He's, uh... Yeah, well, you got uh, five points or fewer, but you're not fully cracked yet, but your your eyes are wide. R- Rachel, meanwhile, just loses it. Just loses it. Just <laughs> <laughs> completely insane. Uh, Margo, how about you? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and then and then, 
poor poor uh, Diane Loring loses eighty sanity points in one fell swoop and begins. <laughs> that's, smack- that's how much I did. I, uh, I lost eighty. Well, she begins like. Bashing her head against the wall at the base of the stairs over and over, trying to unsee this uh, this thing. And sane people have one second to do one thing. What do you do, Saul? Saul is going to say, "Why are all these broads around me going fucking hysterical?" <laughs> <laughs> Typical broads. <laughs> and uh, just then, some tentacles erupt out of the back of this thing and reach forward to grab everybody. Everybody dodge. You can dodge even if you're insane. Diane Loring does not dodge. She's grabbed by a tentacle. Somaran is grabbed by a tentacle. I missed it by oh. a couple. <laughs> oh, Rachel, you're grabbed by a tentacle. Margo, you dodge other way and you see your friends being pulled and grabbed and dragged by these tentacles and suddenly hurled through the portal flung into this other world and then the portal closes and you are left screaming and alone in the shattered remains of the library vault as three night watchmen run down the stairs and surround you but all you can hear is just your your uh, pulse in your ears loudly as you realize you may never see your friends again and you are carted away to the loving arms of the staff of Arkham Asylum where surely you will find peace someday and that is the end of our adventure so three parts over three years nice Yes, yes. And next year we will return with a different horror-themed game. And if any of our listeners have one they want to suggest or they want us to play next year at Halloween time, then please write us this year at GooniesWorldPodcast at gmail.com. And you should have a safe and happy Halloween. And we will see you soon. Goodbye. (laughs) 